California represents about 12% of the lives in America. So we have very ambitious goals in California. And we've been thrilled to start work in 2020 with two ACOs. Welcome to the ACO Show. Today, Josh talks with three different guests, focusing on Allidate's accountable care organizations in California. He interviews the executive director of Allidate's California Accountable Care Organizations and two physicians from practices in California ACOs. They discuss Medicare growth and examine the landscape for Medicaid in California and the potential for building successful commercial partnerships. You'll also hear why many California physicians were ready for value-based care and some of the ways that Allidate has been helpful to them as they reorient towards this new model of healthcare. I'm joined now by Gavin White. Gavin is the Executive Director of Allidate's Accountable Care Organizations in California. Hey, it's great to be with you. So you've got a big state out there. What are you working on? We have an enormous state. California represents about 12% of the lives in America. So we think about ourselves not just as a state in America, but we're, we're an economy the size of just a little larger than Germany's. So we're you know as big as many countries are with 40 million lives. And so uh, we have very ambitious goals in California. And we've been thrilled to start work in 2020 with two ACOs, which we can talk about, with a small number of practices, around 23 practices, uh, in, uh, split between the two, uh, representing about 16,000 lives. And then between 2020 and 2021, we've projected to have grown about 6x in lives uh, under management to just under 100,000 lives. So we're thrilled to be serving the California community like that. We've uh, almost tripled the number of practices that we'll be working with in 2021, expanded the number of uh, ACOs that we, we have in California. And this is all in MSSP growth as well. This is all in Medicare growth. So we're thrilled that you know the Medicare population, the providers that are working in Medicare are able to uh, to expand in this way. And I think people are really getting it, that the work, the, the value add, the pop health value add that we're, we're offering is really meaningful. California has some unique business structures to medical practices, things we don't find in most of the places where Allidade works. <laughs> um, and I know that has some impact on how we engage out there. Can you speak about IPAs and how they factor into to the work? Yes, when we talk about California, we we uh, we do we do things a little differently out west, and, and and even within California, the California market is very different depending on where you are. If you're in the far north, if you're in Northern California around the Sacramento, San Francisco, you know area, or if you're in Southern California, they all operate slightly differently, and that can be very very confusing. It can feel like you're in multiple different countries in itself. So. In California, we, we utilize uh, a mechanism called IPAs a lot, particularly in Southern California. In Northern California, there are larger IPAs. In fact, I came from a larger IPA in Northern California, Health Positions. It's a wonderful IPA in Northern California. Um, and IPA and stands I, for? Independent Physicians Association. Mm -hmm. So this is a group of physicians that come together to basically create leverage. 
uh, in the marketplace so that they can represent where independent physicians come together on their own. If they're on their own, they don't have a lot of leverage. If they come together in, in groups of hundreds, they have a lot more leverage with the payers. They can also co-invest in technologies like their EHR systems or pop health technologies and things like that. So it gives them a lot of ability to do things that they couldn't do on their own. In Southern California, that tends to play out in much smaller IPAs. They have large IPAs, but they also have very small IPAs as well. And um, they're more creative in the South around um, how they leverage their, their expertise. The other interviews on today's show are with two of the doctors in your accountable care organizations, Dr. O'Grady in Watsonville and Dr. Verma in Visalia. And I was impressed when I spoke with them. Sometimes when I'm talking with a doctor who's new to ACO work, the whole premise of it is new but they were both clearly just geared up and ready for value-based care. And it was just a matter of finding an ACO. Uh, who's been laying the groundwork out there? How do, how do docs know about value-based care and, and why it's useful? It's a mix. Um, it's, it's a good question because the docs, we've been so blessed. The, the doctors that you mentioned, the providers and their practices, they are so ready. Um, they jumped on this. And many of our practices are already doing great work in the areas that we work in in pop health. This is not new to them. It's not a surprise to them. What we add is um, a team, uh, you know, a, uh, elbow-based support right you know at the desk with uh with practice transformation we offer technology with our app platform we offer you know a lot of integration that they don't have and so we get visibility into the patient panel that they couldn't normally have has the patient gone to a gone to an e, you know er in the last you know week or two How, have they been admitted to hospital things like that that they may not see med adherence things like that um so the practices that we, we tend to find are a marriage of, of like minds. Um, and the groundwork that's been laid by our growth team is just absolutely spectacular in that they are finding the folks who are already um, on their way towards, you know, the kinds of, the kinds of innovations that we're offering. Um, so partnering with an ACO, partnering with Allidade, um, is just a, a, you know, a match made in heaven. Some places where we try to enter a market, we're competing with hospital systems. Um, you know, they're trying to scoop up providers so that they can get referrals and keep, as we say, heads in beds. And <laughs> another place, the main competitor is just stasis or confusion around what ACOs are, but there are plenty of independent physicians who could benefit from it. Are, are you finding anything consistent in the California market? Oh, absolutely. That's definitely the case in California. You know, the hospital-based systems in some ways are like a frenemy. We, you know, we need hospital systems, but at the same time, you know, left to their own devices, they can, you know, snatch up a lot of independent physicians and they are doing that right across the state. So we compete with that. We're very, very keen on seeing primary care staying independent, staying local, staying primary, um, looking after patients in the most cost-effective way so patients can live longer, healthier lives, but also that the independent sector stays vibrant. It's absolutely critical. And the data plays that out, that just left to its own devices, hospital-based systems are not quite as effective in the ACO model. They're not as effective and cost-effective in the healthcare space writ large without a vibrant primary care sector and without you know, independent primary care. So when you are talking to physicians who are considering it, considering joining an ACO, but are on the fence, what, what do you hear? What, what are their dilemmas? You know, well, often primary care physicians may think that they're doing all of this, you know, um, all of the kind of work that we would do already. And in some cases they are, but they're not being paid for it. 
um, because they don't have that leverage of an ACO. So what we, we can immediately offer is, look, you're already, for those practices who are already doing this great work, why not get paid for it? Why not get recognized, whether it be through a commercial payer or through um, you know, CMS, through MSSP, uh, Medicare, et cetera, why not be acknowledged and paid through shared savings you know, uh, by, by sharing some of that risk? And, and we'll, we'll share a lot of that burden with you and we'll take you on that journey. You know, others may be cautious and wary of whether we're going to get into this space, whether we're going to be telling them what to do. And often that's just a fear because in the marketplace, people are telling them what to do, whether it be, you know, the government or the hospital system or, you know, perverse incentives in the marketplace. You know, there are a lot of pressures on the independent sector. And so it's natural that they would be wary of the many entrants that come into this sector wanting a piece of the pie. And one of the great things about Allidate is that the piece of the pie that we're looking for is a shared experience and a shared financial experience with those doctors in that, um, you know, we, we share that we only get paid when, they, when we achieve shared savings together, we then share that. And of course, the piece of the pie that the that the, our providers receive is larger than the piece of the pie that we would take, which our doctors really appreciate as well. So I've been focusing mostly on accountable care work with Medicare patients, but you're, you're doing much more than that. Can you speak to some of your other work? Yeah, well, so we are working in Medicare MSSP, obviously, and we talked about the growth in that, in that space, and that will, will continue. I think you know, the Medicare space is very vibrant. We are also looking very aggressively into the commercial space, and that will happen over the next year to two years. Obviously, no promises. And then we're looking much more uh, broadly into the Medi-Cal space, which is, of course, the Medicaid space in, in California. We had to name it. Uh, we had to give it our own name. Uh, and that could be because in California, the Medicaid space, you know, probably represents about 25 to 33% of the overall country's uh, Medicaid lives. Um, we have somewhere between 10 to 13 million Medicaid lives. And I think the next largest state is New York with about six to 7 million. So we, if you're talking about Medicaid or Medi-Cal as we call it, you really have to think about California. Uh, because that is the market, and uh, it, it is incredibly um, important, particularly in this era of COVID, where folks are increasingly relying on uh, on the government sector to support their healthcare needs. That's amazing. I hadn't realized that statistic about the size of Medicaid. I, I know it's called Medi-Cal um, out there. I, I moved to this job from California, and it took me a while to stop saying Medi-Cal when I was talking about it because it just confused everybody. Because of its size, is it a program that is also well-supported? In California, it's enormously supported. Yeah, there are, there are many other organizations that we will partner with and we're in negotiations with who you know, are already vibrantly supporting that space. And we will partner with some of those mid-tier players and also you know, larger, you know, larger payers to be able to support, do the work we do in population health to support that part of the, the market. Great. Yeah, I did my medical training in Massachusetts, where as far as I know, it's the only state where if you want a medical license as a physician, you have to accept patients with Medicaid. You can't say no. It's not like that in California, though, right? It's just better supported. I don't believe so, although it is very well supported. But that doesn't mean that it's not being chipped away at constantly. And it's a very unique sector, um, particularly when you look at the federally qualified health centers and the community health centers, the rural health centers that are supporting this part of the, the, the network. Um, 
There are over 1,300, I believe, community health centers in California. We have agreements with four uh, of the larger community health centers representing between 10 and 20,000 lives. And we're launching those in, in 2021. We're very excited to do that. We're actually uh, rolling that out now. And we see a lot of opportunity for growth there. We're now seeing with, with the first four that have joined us, we're now seeing many others coming and saying, can we join? Can we join? You know, they may not have wanted to be first, but uh, they don't want to be last. Um, and they realize that there is a lot to be done. Um, there's a lot of partnership that's to be had on you know, the community health center front, and particularly with, with Medi-Cal, but also with MSSP Medicare um, and other plans as well. One of the challenging things about growing accountable care organizations has been from the start that you take a doctor's patient population, and if, say, 15 to 20% of them are Medicare and shared savings, and we're trying to get them paid better for doing value-based care, outcomes-based care for those patients, but the rest of their patients are on some other kind of contract, you know, fee-for-service, where the, the goal is just to do more. It's much harder to get them to pay attention. And it obviously goes much better when we can get as much of their practice as possible, all sort of streamlined on outcomes-based care. Um, and it sounds like you're really on the, on the forefront of that. It sounds like it's really happening. It's definitely in the process of happening. We're at the phase now, we're still, you know, quite young here in California. So we may have somewhere between 10 to 30% of a, of a, a practice's patient panel. And there is a competition for attention. You know, when a doctor's seeing, you know, 20 plus patients a day and the office manager's just, you know, organizing everyone and, you know, MA scheduling, it's really busy work. Um, there's enormous amounts of pressure on them. So when we're asking them to pay specific attention to things that only represents 20 to 30% of their panel, that's, that's an issue. So we really are concerned with, you know, expanding the patient panel exposure to um, our app and our processes, and also the financial benefits that they'll receive for the you know, the work that they do across that panel, it then becomes much easier. And what we're seeing in the last few months is that the practices that we have are starting to, to switch on and they're starting to become really, really aggressively much more efficient in that part of their panel. And they're now clamoring for more, uh, you know, for, for us to get more deals. They're now pushing us, uh, which is just an incredible place to be. Well, Gavin, this has been fantastic. Definitely informative for me. You know, if you've got any docs, current or potential listening, anything else you want them to hear? Absolutely. Um, one of the things we do when we first meet our practices, when they join us, is we, we align ourselves with the goals that the practices already have. Um, independent practices have goals just like every other organization. They have growth goals. They have goals for their patient panel uh, and for them and for their team and themselves. We want to absolutely align with those goals. Um, we're not just going to come in and, you know, say everything out the door take on Allidate's processes. This is about alignment and partnership. And we want folks to be paid for the great work they're already doing and acknowledged for that work. We want them to join with other practices that can be partners in this work together. And we want to support the independent sector and keep it as vibrant and as active as it's always been. Gavin White, Executive Director of Allidate California. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much. I'm joined now by Dr. Raman Verma, of Visalia, California. He practices internal medicine and weight loss treatments in the San Joaquin Valley. Welcome, Dr. Verma. Good morning. So if you could situate us, uh, what kind of practice do you have? What kind of area is Visalia? It's 
you can say semi-rural area at the entrance to the Sequoia National Park. It is around 130 to 140,000 people town. It's uh, like one hospital area, but there are quite a few small, small towns around it from which it draws uh, the population. So the drawing area is around half a million. How long have you practiced there? I have been here for now 18 years. Oh, wow. And can you tell us more about your practice? Yeah, I'm a solo practitioner and uh, I practice internal medicine and I am board certified in obesity medicine also, which is basically my passion. So I practice both in the same practice and I like more preventative uh, medicine. I preach and practice more healthy lifestyle to people so they can keep the disease off or at least uh, under control with the minimum medications. Well, my next question was going to be about uh, joining an accountable care organization, but I can already understand a little bit why you would with that kind of focus on uh, preventive health. Your practice is in one of Allidade's California accountable care organizations. Can you speak a little bit about how you joined and why? I have been <clears throat> with the local Humana. It is not an ACO, but it is managed by a key medical organization, which kind of works on the same concept. They have a board and they preach value and preventative care. And at the end of the year, if they save money from all those measures, they give little bit bonus to back to the practices depending on the number of patients they have in the practice. So I was uh, familiar to some extent with the value-based care and what it brings to the table, but I didn't had anything with my plain Medicare patients. So when the uh, Allardale approached me, it coincides with my values and bring more revenue to the practice. And how's it working out so far? I think Allardale is doing a good job. They were very helpful during this COVID pandemic because they were up and front about teaching the whole practices about how to cope with this. They introduced us to the telemedicine. They brought the platform, make it easier. And then they were very helpful in the legislators. They will inform us what are the latest Medicare guidelines, how they will pay. They also even helped us with the information about the PPI loans. So they've been very good resource during these hard times. I gave full marks uh, for that effort uh, during this difficult time for the practices because as a solo practitioner, I don't have the time to go fish for those kind of informations. Are there things that Allidade has brought to your practice in terms of value-based care uh, beyond the issue of, of the coronavirus crisis that have been helpful for you? Yes, in the way that uh, they uh, are reminders of the gaps which patients usually fall in uh, because we, if they don't show up, uh, you forget about them and after one or two reminders. 
and then you miss their preventative care in the form of mammograms and the, the colonoscopies, their immunizations. So those kind of things is reminded through the app. So that was helpful. The Allidate app that you reference is the, the data platform that we encourage practices to use to be aware of gaps in care and preventive healthcare needs. Uh, who in your practice uses it? Do you access it? Do you have your office staff use that? Yeah, I, I have made uh, almost all of my staff get acquainted with this, but I have designated one person and a one backup if that person is sick or absent to open the app every morning before starting the work and then bring me the list of all what it needs to be done for the day. Now, before you had this data, did you have any way of knowing things like who needed a mammogram, who needed a flu shot, or the admission discharge transfer feeds of who was in the hospital or, or the ER? Did you have access to that some other way? Um, I was doing the wellness exams for the last couple of years. So I tried to catch all the preventative things during that visit. And the only way to know about the discharge or the ER visits were when the patient called us that uh, he or she has been in the emergency room or been discharged from the hospital. Yeah, that's, that was quite a system that we had to depend on patients letting us know when they've been in the hospital. We frequently see that the hospitals aren't very eager to share that data with us, that, um, that you know, they can regard independent primary care as a, as a competitor rather than a collaborator in it not always easy to get get that access. Anything else that you found valuable about being in an ACO? The other thing I like and don't is the meetings where everybody shares uh, their experience. So you always learn from other people's uh, experience how they are doing a certain thing. And that is valuable. But the don't like is that it takes time, right? It takes time and yeah. Yep. It seems like you have a good understanding of value-based care, preventive care. Have you had any challenges getting your staff, your the people who work for you, to to buy in and to understand the the goals? No, so the older staff. I have uh, majority of my staff is with me for more than ten years, so they know the flow. And as I said, we have been doing it for Humana for last five years, so they had some understanding of how the flow works and what are the required things they need to do for that. And then when I joined Allerdale, I had a meeting with my staff and I told them that if we reach the goals by the end of the year, they will get a special bonus. I give them bonus at Christmas, but I told them this will be a separate bonus they will get if we hit the marks. That's really smart to, to get buy-in, to get everybody everybody aligned and, uh, for the right incentives. I told them it will be substantial, so uh, they were happy to work harder. I bet. Good. Anything you wish uh, that Allidade or Accountable Care in general were doing differently? To make uh, the, the process more streamlined, because uh, it is... Uh, quite time consuming about the apps and all. So it can be a little bit more integrated with the EMR, that will be better. Yeah, that is certainly a challenge. Uh, we hear that often 
you know, it's very tricky that Allidade will work with providers on any EHR. And the result is we're, we work with practices in, on over 90 different EHRs. Yeah, so I know. It's sort of that tricky balance of should we work only with a few EMRs where we could integrate fantastically, but limit the number of providers we could work with, or do we go more broad and then it ends up an EHR and a separate data platform stream? And so far we've gone for the second one, but, but we appreciate that information. Uh, what would you say to a doctor who is considering joining an ACO? What would you tell them to think about? They have to think about not the money, but uh, what value they can create and prevent uh, hospitalization and increase in the utilization of the preventative care for the patients. But they have to think the workload to the staff and to them to achieve that. You have to be constantly on the visual for setting up uh, the wellness visits, doing the risk assessment, calling patients to schedule post-ER visits. All that stuff take time. So I have to hire an extra person to coordinate that. So they have to figure it out whether they are willing to go to an extra step. And the first year... It can be very stressful because it's a new workflow, which the staff is not used to. Yeah, I'm going to quote our CEO where he has said, we don't promise doctors that will make their jobs easier, but we will make them more meaningful. And this is not something he has said, but that ultimately, hopefully more lucrative as well. So it's so the effort does pay off. Yes. Uh, but as I said, if it depends on the philosophy of the practice. If uh, you are just seeing patients by volume, it might not be the type of practice you want to join the ACO because it brings a lot of more work. But the rewards are fantastic. No, that's a good point. A doctor who is who is mostly focused on volume is probably not a great fit for value-based care, where it really what we encourage is having the right visits and meaningful visits. Um, and sometimes that means more time with some patients and and less with others, um, but that the focus be on the outcome rather than the, the number of pieces you move through the system. Dr. Raman Verma of Visalia, California, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Josh. I'm joined by Dr. Christopher O'Grady, who's the physician owner of Pajaro Valley Medical Clinic in Watsonville, California. Welcome, Dr. O'Grady. Thank you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your practice? Sure. It's a solo practice in a town of about 50,000 people. It's a all ages practice, but um, I did a geriatric fellowship. So it's more elderly than none, but we see all ages from infants up to uh, up to 100. So I'd say about 50% of the practice or 60% is geriatric or Medicare age and the rest all ages. And what's your mix of insurances? I think we're about 50% Medicare and about 15% HMO and 30% PPO and 5 to 10% Medi-Cal. And how long have you been practicing in Watsonville, California? I've been here 14 years. And what made you want to join an accountable care organization? Well, I was looking to, you know, we've been hearing about value-based care coming for um, really for more than a decade um, I was part of a Medicare pilot project um, over 10 years ago where they 
asked us uh, if a practice at that time had an electronic medical record. We were asked, would we try to increase our rates of immunizations and cancer screening? And they would reimburse us basically the, a stimulus to try to incentivize practices to increase their rates of screenings and vaccinations. So we participated in that. And, you know, we got a check at the end of the year. And I thought, oh, this is great. I guess value-based care is coming. But that was over 10 years ago. And in California, really haven't seen anything since. So I've been waiting for it, but was hoping for the payers to set up a system whereby we'd be reimbursed for the work involved. And this is really the first opportunity I've seen when Allidade came to California earlier this year. What made you want to be part of value-based care? You know, what were you noticing that made you want to be more involved in outcomes-based care? Well, it's it's logical. It makes sense. Um, you know, we they gave lip service to it, I think, in our training, but um, the financial incentives for private practice is not, it's never been aligned with value-based care, but Obviously, it, it, it seems like you're doing more service to the community if you can keep people out of the hospital or keep people from getting cancer. So um, I think it's, it's the logical place where primary care has been headed, should be headed, and it's just that the, the financial incentives have been slow to catch up. And how did Allidade come across your, your desk? Um, I think two ways. I, I follow the California Medical Association, and they were discussing Allidade coming to California before they did. And um, when they were coming, I think I got a postcard in the mail that I returned saying I was interested. And I think Allidade came and spoke with local county medical society folks who mentioned my name. So one way or another, they got in touch with me. And how's it been for you so far? Is it what you thought? It is about what I thought. It's uh, probably better than what I've thought. The, the company's very well run. Everybody that we've dealt with really knows what they're doing. And so it's obvious that this is not their first or second year doing it. They, they have a system down and they're very helpful. So their asks, I think, for the first year in the ACO are pretty simple. They just have the four metrics that they ask us to try to maximize. And to me, that's not very difficult. It's a fairly simple ask. So, um, you know, I thought maybe that more would be coming, but that apparently is the only ask for the first year is to get those four metrics down. And um, we've been pretty happy. It's it's worked out well for us. The big switch for us was the annual wellness visits. Um, and we were doing those when we were asked to, but there were not many patients requesting them. So now we're doing them, you know, as a matter of default, we're trying to do them on everybody. And that's been a change, but it's been a change for the good. And um, basically, we've been pretty pleased. What are the other three metrics in addition to annual wellness visits? Well, ER follow-ups um, and then follow-ups from the hospital um, and then high-risk coding. I was you know, somewhat experienced with risk coding with you know, being involved in HMOs. So that's really the doctor's work, I think, outside of office visits largely. Um, but... ER visits, we never did a very good job of following up on those. Now we do. And then transition to care visits, we were doing those and we were aware of them. So that's not really much of a change for us. We're trying to emphasize them more. I guess one change is that in the past, I used to do transition to care visits for my own patients when I hospitalized them. But now we kind of reach out to the patients hospitalized by the specialists. And it turns out that those are probably even more valuable than following up on the patients that I discharge myself. So those, those TOC and the ER visits, those are making sure that you call patients after they've been in the hospital or been in the ER, right? Right. So the Allidate app gives you a list of patients 
who have been in the ER, who have been in the hospital, um, and our staff tries to contact them within a day or two of their discharge to arrange for follow-up. I don't hear a lot of doctors saying, as you have, that they're a little bit disappointed that there's only four things Allidade's asking you to do in the first year. Most people feel a little bit overwhelmed even with those in the first year. Do you think that's because you were already in the mindset of outcomes-based care even before Allidade found you? Uh, maybe. I, you know, I, disappoint is not the right word, but I think it's, you know, I anticipate being asked to do more. And so I think that's coming. And so metrics like blood pressure and cholesterol and, you know, vaccination rates, I, I assume that those will be in the future. So to me, the four metrics are, you know, it's not that big of a change for the office. I think in, in doing a preparation for a, an interview for CMA, I tried to calculate how much time we were spending And I think I came to about seven hours a month for the doctor over the course of the year and about 10 hours a month for the staff. And that's based on, you know, 500 to 530 Medicare patients. So that's not a huge number of hours. It's, you know, it's something, but it's not something that's overwhelming. And, you know, frankly, during COVID and and with our volumes being lower than usual, that amount of time was pretty manageable. So Allidate is giving you, as you say, data on which of your patients have been in the ER or been in the hospital. Um, are, are there other useful pieces of data uh, that you've received? There are. The, the two big ones, I guess, one is cost, and we haven't gotten into that. It's, it's in the app, and you can look at it. Um, so we don't use that much yet. I assume we will in the future, but, um, but you're allowed to see basically the total cost of care for all of your patients for the past three years. And that's pretty fascinating to drill down and read about it and see basically where Medicare is spending all its dollars. Um, So from an informational standpoint, I think that's the most interesting. But um, on a day-to-day basis, we use all the prevention metrics. So every shot they received, every bone density they had, every mammogram. um, We used to spend a lot of time tracking those down. Now we pretty much have them at our fingertips if it was in the last three years. A lot of times patients think that they remember when they had things done and it turns out that, you know, their memory is, is not perfect. So having all that really saves a lot of time, uh, both at a wellness visit, but just at, really at any visit, you can look things up much more quickly than in the past. There are things that you wish Allidade was providing or just things in your practice, regardless of who is giving it, uh, that would make your practice uh, run better. Um. You know, the, the, the EMR, I think, is the next target for improvement. We, we've had one for 14 years, and we're due to trade up, and we haven't decided on a, a replacement yet, but I think that Allidate is probably going to be helpful along those lines. They have a large number of practices. They really have a, a, a huge user group who can tell you about every EMR. So I think that that's a, probably a niche for Allidate is to have uh, a way to share all the information that other doctors have with their EMRs for doctors that need to purchase new ones. Allidate sets up accountable care organizations around the country. And in some places, we've done it. It's a sort of a small city and a lot of doctors who know each other join. And it's it sort of made a virtual community. California is a big place. Uh, have you felt like you are connected to other providers in a way you weren't previously since you've joined? Yeah, our ACO is spread out over three geographic areas. So um, I think there's only two of the doctors out of 13 practices that I knew prior to the ACO being formed. Um, So I feel like I know them somewhat. We're on uh, Zoom calls twice a month. And so I've gotten to know them a little bit. 
but I haven't met most of them in person. So it's, there is some camaraderie there, but it's, it's probably different than if they were all in the same town and we, we knew them prior to the ACO forming. Anything you would say to a physician who's considering joining any ACO? You know, I hope that this is a, a vehicle towards staying independent. It's trying to be independent is a challenge financially. And so there's the financial aspect where we might do better just by being part of the ACO. And if having to be good at value-based care is the, you know, the avenue towards staying independent, I can't see anybody not welcoming what Allidade brings to the table. They, again, they really have done the work for, you know, how to make the ACO run smoothly. The app is fantastic. So they can walk you through, at least for what we've done this first year, they can walk you through the steps that will transition the practice from just being reactive to the patients calling when they're sick to trying to do some population-based care and keeping people healthier. So I think it's a, a no-brainer for an independent practice looking to, you know, stay relative and, you know, be successful as value-based care uh, comes our way. Dr. Christopher O'Grady of Pajaro Valley Medical Clinic in Watsonville, California. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Josh. This episode of The ACO Show was produced by Brittany Barnes and Hannah Posner. Our music is by Donna Korn. On behalf of everyone at The ACO Show, we want to wish our listeners a safe and happy holiday season. This is our last episode of the year, but we will see you in 2021 with an incredible guest lineup. You can find prior episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ACO Show.